Blog Talk Radio. Join us as we travel into the inner workings of John Cheney's mind. Beyond midcourt is another dimension. A dimension of pressure. A dimension of coverage. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land. Two slow-footed white guys, incapable of playing man-to-man. Of help-side defense and active hand. You cross half-court into the magic zone. Zone. Mike and Kevin come to you live every Sunday evening from Cherry Hill, New Jersey blog, talk radio, uh, and phone pack studios. Talking a lot tonight. Uh, we would just want to welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Talking a lot, all Sixers tonight. We really wanted to break this team down. They're obviously not doing very well. Uh, oh, and oh, oh for 12, but 13, the, 13 sorry. Uh, there, it, it, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. We really wanted to dedicate an entire hour show to really talking about them because it's not many people agree with what they're doing. There's a lot of uh, people agree, people disagree, and it's starting to get out of hand. So we're a little, uh, we're going to really break it down. We have Bob Cooney, uh, Philadelphia Daily News beat writer for the Sixers joining us, uh, as well as uh, Derek Bodner. Derek is an uh, NBA analyst, also uh, writes for Liberty Ballers. And uh, Draft Express. So they will both be joining us tonight to talk a little bit about the Sixers and kind of where uh, where they stand. Uh, again, Kevin Owens here with Mike Gould. Mike, how are you today? Good, Kev. So last night I'm home. Wife goes to Target. Kids asleep. This can't. This can't. No, be good. And, I, and I'm scrolling the through. The pants. The pants slowly <laughs> slowly come down. <laughs> and I'm like flipping other channels. I'm like, all right, let, let me see what's on. And I come across the Sixers pregame show. They're playing the Knicks. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I haven't watched a, a second of the game this year. I said, let me let me watch this team and, and, and see what's going on here. Let let me let me see if I can, um, you know, kind of dissect a little bit by watching myself. Uh huh. And then I start watching. This team is so friggin' bad. Kev, they don't have a guy who can shoot outside of twelve feet. Like literally, they don't have a guy who can make a jump shot. They, Nerlens Noel just doesn't have an NBA body. Mm-hmm. Michael Carter Williams, who I was never big on going back to Syracuse, the dude can't shoot the ball lick. Mm-hmm. If he was open, if if he was in a shoot around by himself, he would go like three for twelve. Like nobody on the court, just a, just a trainer passing on the ball. That's rough. Can't shoot the ball at all. Um, who else? Lexi uh, Lexi Schved. Has a hair. He looks like Mo from the Three Stooges. Um, they're just horrible, horrible. Kev, cue up a uh, cue up a uh, Lexi Schved uh, shooting a three. His 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 jump shot last yeah, night. Yeah, his jump shot. Cue that up. <laughs> I mean, he just can't. They can't shoot, and I feel. The dude, I feel really bad for Brett Brown because he's really coaching. He's working he hard. Is coaching he's hard. calling timeouts, just trying to do anything to keep this team in games. Kevin, they're, the over under is fifteen and a half in Vegas. They're not winning fifteen and a half games. Now, the, our po- I, I, our our big poll for tonight uh, will be who wins more games, the Sixers or the Eagles. Now, the Eagles have eight. Sixers have zero. Yeah, well, the Sixers are gonna win. Now, do are now the Eagles are on? You know. So are, they play going to win eleven games. Eleven games. So right now, you think that the Sixers are going to win more than eleven games? Now they play the know. Knicks, they played the Bucks, they played the Celtics. Well, okay, well, okay. Well, let's go. Here, I put up their schedule. Here's the next. They're zero and thirteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Monday, tomorrow night, they play the Trailblazers. Uh huh. That's a loss. Yeah. It's home. Then they play Wednesday. They play home against the Nets. Mm-hmm. And that's five and eight. That's the, yeah. Can they beat them? Yeah. Will they? I doubt it. <laughs> then they play the ten and four Mavericks. They're going to get blown. Blown. Who beat them by fifty four yeah, a few exactly. weeks? Fifty three a few weeks ago. And then they uh, 
then the Spurs come calling December 1st. Like, I see them going 0-17, and then they play... Minnesota. Then they play home against Minnesota. Now, is that, now this is, a, this is a, a matchup. You look at that December, what is it, December 3rd? Mm-hmm. That, that game, December 3rd, it, it takes on a little more because you look at the schedule after that, and they have the Thunder. I mean, obviously, without, uh, without Durant and without Westbrook, but still, you know, better than the Sixers. You have the Pistons, who, uh, what are they? What are the Pistons now? They're 3-10. They're, they're not that good. But, dude, you got to understand. The Hawks, you understand, the Nets these, again. These teams are a lot better. They have NBA players. The Sixers have, like, two NBA caliber players on their team. Three, maybe. Not counting Embiid. Yeah. I mean. Now, what do you do? Okay, so what do you do? I mean, and we're going to talk a lot about this with uh, Bob and Derek. What do you do right now if you're the Sixers? I mean, they, we've a lot of people went through. They've they've gone through this in a uh, a way that some people are excited about because they, they they love the tanking. They're all about the tanking. And I, listen, I I don't I didn't mind it last year. It's getting old. And at the same time, you're my biggest concern with with what they're doing. And uh, the the we'll get into the lack of leadership in a little bit. My biggest concern, however, is. The fact that you have all these guys, you have these young players, and when you, it's it's very tough to be a Michael Carter Williams and a Nerlens Noel and just lose every single night. It's it becomes very trying, and the 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 biggest concern I have is you look at these guys and they're they every game you could see their body language when it, when a mistake happens, their shoulders slump. It's getting that frustration level. It's going to take a toll on them, and as the season goes on, that it, it's going to take a toll. It's going to take a toll on them mentally. You talk about tanking, and then you finally get a, a, enough young talent in here. Still, you, you're, what are you building to? And now you look at the the Pelicans and kind of what they did, and they got an Anthony Davis, uh, you know, with the trade for Drew Howard. They have a good team now. But at the same time, the Pelicans were never this bad. So Anthony Davis never had to suffer through what's going on now. And it's, that's the very unfortunate thing is Noel and Michael Carter-Williams are just – do you think they're going to be happy? Do you th- I don't understand what people are thinking. Like, it's, it's tanking for the upper office. Like, the upper office calls it tanking. The management calls it tanking. The fans call it tanking. The players, it's just losing. Now, all they're doing is losing. So that's the frustrating thing to me is you have these guys losing. They're not tanking. They're just losing. Well, to me, the big part, the big problem, Kev, is can the Sixers develop these guys? Like, yeah. like they're, they're stockpiling all these draft picks. That's great. Guess what? Cleveland had number one pick after number one pick all the time for the last five, six years, and they stink until they got LeBron this year. Mm-hmm. So they didn't develop players. Now you look at the Spurs. They had one lottery pick in the last 15 years, uh-huh. but they developed players uh-huh. like you, you can get all the you can get all these lottery picks you can get you can get Sarich and you can get Embiid you can get Noel Carter Williams whoever the hell they're going to get this year obviously they're going to get a top pick but if you can't develop guys mm-hmm. it doesn't matter now it doesn't matter and and nobody wants to come here who wants to come to Philadelphia but the, right now but the worst thing about it is you have like you were saying you have a, a team and listen these guys deserve to be in the NBA I don't care what you say, but they're not the upper echelon. Like they're not the, they're end of the bench guys on other NBA teams. Yes, they're NBA players, but they're end of the bench guys. So you have a team with Michael Carter Williams, and you have you know young Katie uh, Katie McDaniel's. You have uh, Roten, Tony Roten. You have and you have Noel, and that's kind of like what you're what you're working with with now. Noel and Michael Carter Williams. Now you're talking about developing. It's going to be hard for them to develop. In this system, because things passes are going, you know, I think they have a little more freedom, but it's not always going to be there because people are going to hone in on those two. Like I told you before, if if Andrew Wiggins stayed in Cleveland, he would have he would have been a much better player because he wouldn't have the pressure that LeBron has. LeBron has the pressure. Andrew Wiggins has that free reign to do what he wants to do. He's in Minnesota now. People are going to hone in on him. People play the Sixers. They hone in on, on Michael Carter-Williams. They hone in on uh, Nerlens Noel. And they're not right now talented enough to, to really go through and, and be a successful NBA player. And if, if there's no one else there taking the brunt, and you have the, these guys can get double teamed and triple teamed. What are they going? How are they? Like what? I don't understand what really the plan is. 
overall, like I look at it and you're like, okay, let's tank. You're just making these guys comfortable losing. And now you're going to get to next year and you're going to, it's the same thing. What are you going to go get Okafer? Then you're going to have to talk about trading one of those guys yeah, and Noel yeah, and Sarge. Yeah, and, but, but I think, it, I think if you have the option, you get, you get Okafer. Oh, I definitely you, agree. You get the top guys and then you can have some trading pieces. But so. this is the thing, like next year, it's going to be the same thing. So where, where, when is it going to end? When is the tanking going to end? And the rebuilding is going to start because right now it's still the tanking. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Nerlens Noel, Michael Carter Williams, like so ne- so six-year so, players, so, and they're still tanking. Right. So next year you're going to have Carter Williams. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, they don't like him, but if he's still there, you'll have Carter Williams. You'll have um, you'll have Lexi Schwed. Um, you have no. You'll still have Carter Williams. You'll have Nerlens Noel. You'll have Embiid. And you'll have whoever they're going to pick this year. Mm-hmm. So next year, I think. Can I ask you a question, Kev? Why the hell is KJ McDaniel's coming off the bench? I don't know. On this team, like you can't start him. Like well, Nerlens, there was uh, Nerlens Noel came off the bench a few times, and so did Michael Carter. I was just like, eh, okay. Like, like yeah, like I feel bad. I I, I really feel bad for Brett Brown because um, I I actually think he can be the guy who develops these guys. Yeah. And it can be the coach when this team gets good. But man, like losing. How do you, like you said, all these guys are accustomed to losing. How do you get them to be winners? Yeah, you know, how, do you, like, how do you switch that I, off? I don't know if you do. Like they don't know how. They're not going to know how to win. No. What, well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this question then. How long until this team competes for? How long until this team competes? How long until this team is a a relevant team in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Now you, this is a good if question. at all if at all because what the Sixers said is it's going to take patience. This is my biggest concern. You have guys like Michael Carter-Williams, who was last year's Rookie of the Year. You have a Nerlens Noel, who's a young talent, had a great game last night. Embiid's going to sit out this year, so they're going to, they're going to waste a year with that. And now and then em- they're going to use next year to get Embiid. To get a beat. Exactly, like Embiid, Embiid Oka, you know, whatever they do. Next thing do. you know, Carter-Williams is going to be 28 he, years old. He's going to be 28 years old. He's going to be a free agent. It's, it's, the tanking, like I said, some point the tanking has to stop see, and the rebuilding see, has to begin. Here's the thing. I think the way to tank, if there's a if there's a way to tank, may, maybe like you tank and you get a stud, uh-huh. and then try to you know piece around him. Like this is you're right because right now they're what they're doing is they're trying to time. yeah they're trying to accumulate all young players and they're trying to go the well, Spurs by route. The, by, yeah, right. Well, by the yeah they're accumulating young players, but by the time you, the accumulation is over, Carter Williams is old now. Yeah, like at what point do you say? All right, let's let, let's let's get this let's get this thing going. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean you had a you had ton, a ton of cap space. No one's going to sign here. You have a chance last year where people were still excited about the Sixers. No one's excited anymore. That you had a Noel and no one really knew what he could do. You had a guy. Uh, you had Michael Carter Williams last year's Rookie of the Year, and you had the the plan. The plan was they tanked. They 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 did a ba- they did terribly, and they're going to get a top draft pick. Now what happens is they're Everything, it's it's still yeah. the same thing. So you could have gotten someone last year. You could have gotten, you know, maybe you convince convince a Chandler Parsons or a guy like that who's who, who's a young player, a good scorer, a good shooter, who's going to help you win maybe 20, 25 games this year. But at least you're developing something and you're getting these guys working together. It's like Michael Carter-Williams and Nerlens Noel are working together and maybe Katie McDaniels, but I'm sure he's probably going to opt out and be a free agent after this year because he's got a one-year uh, optional contract. So now you have it's it's just where when are they going to start gelling? So now you get another guy in here. You get say you get Okafor, you trade someone away. Now it's going to take a year for them to play together. You don't pick up a free agent. You you tank again, and then you pick up another guy, and it's going to take a year for them. Like you said, Michael Carter Williams, twenty eight, twenty nine years old. He's no longer you know it's it's he's not the player he once was. Thirty years old. So the, the plan is just like something has to. You can only do this for so long, and it seems like the Sixers are just pressing their luck with you know, this. You know what seems like dog years ago? What is when? Andrew, what is that seven? Yeah, when Andrew Bynum signed here, and everybody was so excited. Oh my god. I mean, did that seem like just ten that, years ago? That was that was that was tough. For <laughs> my gosh, Andrew Bynum. I remember the press conference. That was that that was a that was it was a long time ago. It seems I mean, like I mean, forever the, ago. The city was excited about basketball then. Yeah, like we're getting Andrew Bynum, the second best center in the league. Man, we're, we're you know we're gonna 
we're going to start moving this thing in the right direction. And then yeah. all of a sudden, uh, all he of went a sudden bowling. He, yeah. he went bowling and seven uh, ten split. <laughs> Wiped him right out. We're joined right now by uh, Philadelphia Daily News beat writer, uh, Philadelphia 76ers beat writer, one of the best in the business, Mr. Bob Cooney. Uh, Bob, Mike and I talk, talking a lot about the Sixers tonight. It's what, what is your take? You sit through the games, you watch them live every single week, and you kind of see have more of an insight than we do sitting there watching on TV. What do you see and what do you think? Uh, the, the, do you think this plan is going to be successful or do you think this plan is going to – how long do you think it's going to take? That's a loaded question there, Kevin. Yeah, you went on a lot I of different kept, angles there, buddy. <laughs> I, I just kept on I, asking I, questions. You have, you have the floor. Because, for about you know minutes. why? Because there's just so many damn questions to ask about this team. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I, 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 I don't want to say that I believe it's going to work or it's not going to work. Obviously, you're going to have to sit back and take time mm-hmm. and, and, and see how it all plays out. And I, I wrote a column on Friday, which got a lot of, a lot of kick around the city, just saying that the biggest problem right now is that there is a clash between not a player and a coach or an owner and a coach or a player and player. The clash right now is between the culture. The coach mm-hmm. wants to build a culture that he was used to in San Antonio. It's a winning culture, and it's doing things the right way all around, which you guys learned playing high school basketball at Camden Catholic. It's, mm-hmm. it's learning how to play defense the right way, offense the right way, being a good teammate for an organization to be successful. But in order to try to teach that, he has to go through this culture right now, which is absolutely horrific. And Mm -hmm. it's it's guys that are losing all the time. It's Michael Carter-Williams getting frustrated with not only every game, but every play, every sequence of plays. It's Nerlens Noel getting frustrated in himself that he doesn't see himself improving as an NBA player or becoming as good of an NBA player right now as he thought he would be. So that that that's kind of where you are, and that that's the scary part right now. Uh, I understand fans, and you make a good point, Kevin. I I do. I see it every day, and and fans can say that's okay. This is going to happen for another year, and but in a few years it's going to be good. Well, those are people that are on the outside all the time. People that are on mm-hmm. the inside every day and see the frustration of these players, coaches. I, I don't say management because we don't see management, but. but mm-hmm. I mean, imagine you guys both played at a very high level. If if you're going through this every day, it's demoralizing, and it, it's very, very hard to get out of. Bob, I agree with everything you said, except uh, I learned how to play defense. Um, <laughs> but what, when, uh, when did that happen? Yeah, I have no well, idea. Yeah, really. When, when did that yeah. happen, Mike? Do you think could could our fresh could my freshman team compete with the Sixers team? Do you think? <laughs> if. Uh, who was your backup point guard, Mike? If it was me, yeah, right. You're your me, backup me, point guard, right? me. I, I think I was the backup point guard. But uh, but honestly, like I'm watching Michael. I'm watching the game last night, and this team has nobody who can shoot the ball outside of 15 feet. Do you think right. Michael Carter Williams is it? Could he be a Could he be a championship point guard? In your opinion. You know, I, I don't know. Again, I, I think it's a little too. I do like a lot of things about him as a point guard. There's a lot of things I don't like. What I have to, what I have to reel back, what I have to sit back and really look at is it's so easy to see the bad points of everything of it, yeah. mm-hmm. and that yeah. means team wise, organization wise, and then individually. So it should be real careful. I, you know, Michael Carter Williams. I looked at the first time I saw him after they drafted him in the summer league. I thought, you know, this is a really tall kid. Mm-hmm. A big kid who is good at using his size. He can get guys on his hip offensively when he makes that big stride to the basket, and he knows how to keep them there. He does have some very good qualities. Now, the thing is, he's not getting any better with this, uh, with these teammates that he's playing mm-hmm. with. So you, you guys would know, like you know, Mike, you're dribbling down a lane. You make a good move. You break a guy down. You get up in the air. You go to pass to somebody, or or you're looking to throw the ball out to the three point line. You're like, oh my god, who am I throwing the ball to? Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, they have no outside shooting, so that hinders the progress of Michael Carter Williams. Uh, maybe he has to try to score a little bit more than he wants to. So there's there's just so many. Uh, different details that go into all this. But I, I think he can be a very good point guard in this league. But you're not going to know until he's surrounded by talent. And, you you know, you said it said it great there with Michael Carter-Williams because 
I feel like some of these players, when they develop and, you know, going through and playing, you, you see a, a trust develop with, with, a, with certain players and, you know, you get that, get that trust. And you see with other players, they, they don't trust. And, and the, the lack of trust, and it's not Michael Carter-Williams' fault, but when he doesn't trust someone, that's, I feel like that could create a bad habit where, you know, he, he, it starts to become, I don't know if I can trust anyone but myself. And now, you, you know, he, he, you get a few extra pieces, and he's still not the player. He, like you said, the, the, the development has hit, it's going to hit a wall when you don't surround them with enough players. And that's what's frustrating to me about this whole tanking is you have all this, you, you, like I, we were talking about earlier, when is it going to end? Like, when are you going to stop tanking and when are you going to start building? Because right now, Bob, it doesn't seem like they're building for anything. That's, and I, I've asked that question directly to Sam Hinkie. When is the now? Mm-hmm. When is the now? When, does it, when do the, the draft picks that you're accumulating – in 2019 and 2020, uh-huh. when is the now? And, and uh-huh. you know, it, it's funny. People say, oh, it's only the second year, not even the second year of tanking yet, you know, because you're only 13 games in or whatever. But the now is coming soon. I mean, Michael Carter-Williams and Erlens know they're in their second year. You mm-hmm. know, there's only two more years to go. Dario Saric won't be here before their contracts are up. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're just you're just assuming that, that you're going to re-sign them. And, and maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. I've had scouts throughout the NBA call me about Tony Roten. You know, what kind of play would he fit on our team? You know, like they're looking at a Tony Roten. Tony Roten, for what he does on this team, is far different than, when, that, than what's going to keep him in the NBA. What's going to keep mm-hmm. him in the NBA is being a six, seven, you know, like a, the second guy off the bench who provides you 20, 25 minutes of offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that could be great for him. But but I don't know if his future's here. And other teams are looking at him. The The clash is that, you're building future, 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 but in the meantime, these guys that are here and now might not want to be a part of it because it's so bad right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you know there, there's a struggle there. There's a true, true struggle there, and I, I don't I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if these guys are going to want to be here. I don't know when Darius Saric is going to be here, and Brett Brown, who I think would be a tremendous coach if he had talent. I don't know if he's still going to be here either. So time is kind of going against them, believe it or not. And you you said it, I mean, perfectly because time it's it's not in their side and it's very frustrating and that's kind of what what Mike and I look at it like. Uh, I'm I, I was a fan of the tanking last year and it's 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 getting old for me and like you said it's only people are saying it's only like the the first or second year and we have to have patience but for me I just don't I, my biggest concern is people are looking at it and saying well you know what. This is, you know, we're at rock bottom right now. Like, I don't agree that this is rock bottom. Rock bottom is if Michael Carter-Williams and Nerlens Noel don't pan out and Joel Embiid don't pan out, and you, you wasted this time, and now you're starting from scratch with guys who, who, who never were, you know, great NBA players. And that's, like, the scary thing for me is you're doing all this, and you have no idea if this is as low as you're going to go. I mean, you could drop – you think you're, you're dropping, and suddenly the floor falls out from uh, under you. It's – that's what scares me the most about this. Well, thing. that's what we talked about earlier too. Like, I, I'm afraid. My fear is that can the Sixers develop these guys? You look at what the Cavs had in the last five years. Number one pick after number one pick, they didn't develop anybody. They were still bad. They had to get LeBron, Kevin Love. To, you know, then you look at San Antonio. They have one lottery pick in 15 years, and they develop players into a great team. Like, my fear is, can we develop? Can the Sixers develop these guys? Yeah, there, there's there's a couple of thoughts that way too, Mike. Is is that Developing the guys, which is what exactly what, and I, I, I talked to Greg Popovich when we were in San Antonio last week, and and he kind of gave me a look like, "Are you kidding me?" Brett is the right guy for that job. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. As far as developing players, Sandoval, he he developed a, a Kawhi Leonard, he developed mm-hmm. a Bruce Bowen, and and they, Greg Popovich will never stop praising Brett Brown for doing what he did for that organization. He says he had as big a part as as anyone in the championships that they won when Brett Brown was there. But you're mm-hmm. right. He was also surrounded by tremendous talent. I, and, and as I wrote the other day, you can develop these guys. You can work on jump shots. You can do all these things in practice that you want. It's twofold, though. One is that coming to practice and practicing every day when you're losing 13, 14, 18, mm-hmm. 26 games in a row, you guys know you don't want to go to practice. You don't want uh-huh. to play. You don't want right. to develop. Okay, so, so now all the teaching, although the coaching staff, they are phenomenal. I, I have to give them. They come to work every day and they're ready to go, 
it has to be falling on deaf ears a lot of the time. And the second part is, who is Michael Carter Williams? Who is Nerlens Noel developing with? As I mm-hmm. said earlier, you know, and you hit it, you hit it right, Mike. I mean, Nerlens, or I'm sorry, Michael Carter Williams is a point guard for who? Like mm-hmm. for who? So he's breaking down somebody, he's throwing a pass to Robert Covington. He's throwing mm-hmm. a, a pass inside to Brandon Davies. You know what I mean? And, and so then yeah. a nice play turns into a fumbled pass, kicked out of bounds, turnover Michael Carter-Williams, where if it's thrown to a, a decent NBA player, it's at least a basket, maybe a three-point play. So that's where I wonder about getting rewarded and the reward being wins. How much do they want to put in the time and how much you know, mentally can they put in the time? It, it, it's a hard situation. Now, uh, Bob, do you think that there was a need with Sam Hickey to go out and get a guy like a good veteran leader who's kind of been there before uh, to kind of be able to to, to be a, a, that leading presence on the court and also kind of help these guys? I mean, you, we talked about development. When you're losing like that, you kind of need that veteran at, to to step in and say, you know what, this is this is this is what it's going to be. What you know, you have to push through and, and keep practice as motivated as you could, uh, you know, because the coaches are going to do one thing, but the players and you know, we know like the players will listen to the players because sometimes it, the coaches it falls on deaf ears. But if a player, if your leader steps up and is going as hard in practice, you're going to kind of step up and, and follow suit. Do you think that that's a big thing that they're missing? I mean, Richardson's, uh, you know, he's he's sidelined and you don't know like how much if he's going to have that same respect because he hasn't played in so long but do you think they could have gone in and gotten a good veteran leader who really could have talked to this team and and uh helped some of these guys with with what's going to happen this year yeah you're right kevin i mean it's a huge huge hole Thaddeus Young was great at it last year mm-hmm. and and, and... He, you know, the ultimate professional, and I've covered a lot of NBA players, and Thaddeus Young is just the ultimate professional. And I knew how frustrated he was last year. And he and I would talk on the side off the record, and, and, and he would he would let me know how frustrating it was. But at the mm-hmm. end of our conversation all the time, on the record, off the record, he's like, but you know what, I have to help these young guys because people helped me when I was a rookie. And, and mm-hmm. he saw that, and that was a great, great help to everyone. Um, you're right. Michael Carter-Williams last year was the guy who went through a frustrating season, although he was working the year, and, and he found his way in the NBA, and that was all new to him. It was easy for him to handle for two reasons. One, he had success. Two, he had somebody like Thaddeus Young. He had individual success. Two, mm-hmm. he had somebody like Thaddeus Young, Spencer Halls, that could grab him around the waist, bring him over, and say, listen, this is tough times, but this is the way the NBA works. Now they're expecting him to be that guy. Now, not only is he looking for his progression in the NBA during a losing streak and a losing season that could be the worst in NBA history, they're Mm -hmm. looking for him to not only learn the game but also to be a leader. Way too much on the kid's plate. So, yeah, uh, not having a veteran around. And and Jason Richardson, great, great guy, suit person that that could be a leader for a lot of these guys, but he's not on the road. He doesn't go on road trips. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not around all the time. So, you know, that's just a, uh, like a, a small um, part of something that they can dig into as far as, as getting better. It's it's just a really, really time. And, I, you know, I look for silver linings and how it could be better for these guys. Mm-hmm. I really don't see many. I really just don't see many <laughs> at all. What What's Brett Brown's psyche like right now? I mean, is he going to – does he have job security or is he, is he living in – is he dying with every one of these losses? I mean – it's got to be tough on him. I mean, I, I'm watching the game last night against the Knicks, and he's coaching his butt off. I mean, he's calling timeouts, down seven, you know, mm-hmm. calling guys over, helping guys out. Well, what's his mindset right now? Yeah, he's, he, he's unbelievable. Uh, he is unbelievably positive. He's an unbelievably hard teacher. He loves to teach. You know, I'll, I'll give you guys an example. So we're in San Antonio last year. Sixers are, I, I think it was maybe game 19 of the 26-game losing streak, okay? So we're in the hallways uh, before the game, a couple hours before the game, and we're just talking. Brett met with the media, and then everybody kind of went away, and Brett and I were just standing there talking. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Tony Parker comes running down the hallway. And, you know, Brett, Brett comes in, gives him a big hug, and, and this, you know, this, I know. First thing that Brett says to him, he says, don't you take tonight's game off. I want your best. You play your hardest against my players because I want them to see how good they have to be. 
and That's Tony awesome. Parker's laughing, and Tony Parker turns to me because just the week before we were at the All Star game, and Tony and I talked a little bit because I told him I was, you know, in Philly, and Brett Brown, Brett Brown, he loves mm-hmm. Brett. And Tony turned to me. He goes, oh, yeah, we just talked. What did I tell you? Isn't this the way the guy is? And that's the way Brett Brown is. He wants his players to eat every day. His, his, his motto is the same every day. He wakes up, attack the day. Attack the day. Let's attack the day. If, if it's basketball, if it's something in, in the outside life of basketball, mm-hmm. everything needs to be attacked. That's the way Brett Brown is. And that's why I do believe he, he is a great person to, to bring along this, this talent that they have now. And I think if he has talent, he's going to be a really good head coach. I don't think he's on the bubble at all. Uh, you know, I, they'd be stupid if they were trying to look somewhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's human. You have to wonder. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy's losing. He's getting his brains beat in every night. To wonder eventually after two, three years if he's like, all right, I'm done. i got to get out of here right. and get back right. to San Antonio. Right. Now, that, uh, you know, talking about silver linings, that, that, the, if anything, that's, it's Brett Brown. It's kind of what that story talking to Tony Parker, like that has to be motivation. I mean, it's, 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 you've lifted my spirit, if anything, because you have a guy like that who's, who says things like that, who wants the absolute best from other teams to play against so these guys learn. I think that's, that's something that, you know, at least it will make me sleep better at night. Now, Bob, last thing, uh, we'll ask you, you know, Eric Bledsoe comes out, says the whole Kentucky versus Sixers uh, thing. I know Noel got him, got him back a little for that. I I look at it as absolutely absurd, but you know some people it it, it gets legs. What do you think about this whole entire Kentucky uh, Kentucky Sixers comparison? All right, I'll go with you, Kevin. You you were all right. Go back to when you were a freshman at Monmouth and and uh, a Division One school, obviously a little bit lower than Kentucky. So mm-hmm. you're 18 years old. Not, not much. Okay. Just a <laughs> yeah. Remember the strength you had as an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, and you, you know, I mean, compare yourself to a 22 year old who was maybe at the same talent level as you as, you as an 18 year old. The strength is just incomparable. The the quickness, the, the things that you learn in the NBA, it's it's not comparable. I mean, mm-hmm. if those two were to play each other, Michael Carter Williams, Tony Roten. Those yeah. guys might go off for fifty points. I mean, it, 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 it. I don't want to say it wouldn't be close. It wouldn't, but it just the maturity level. I mean, to to dumb it down a little bit, you're you're comparing a senior in high school to a normal freshman in high school. It's just mm-hmm. the strength isn't there, uh, the knowledge of the game isn't there, and, and Kentucky's built mostly of eighteen year olds because they have a lot uh-huh. a lot of freshmen on that team. So it, it's it's silly. Um, and I think in, in Bledsoe's defense, and I, I don't know the guy even a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it's something he said off the cuff, and it yeah. it's got legs and it's silly and all that stuff. But I think Vegas even went as far as, and you guys might know this better than I do, from what I heard, Vegas went as far as to make a line on the game, and they said Mike. if it was a neutral court and all this, I heard between 17 and 12 was the line the Sixers would be favored. So yeah, okay. it's it's silly. It's It's silly. Yeah, there's no room for it. You're, I, I totally agree. I think it's uh, kind of one of those – and you're right. Like, you look at the, a college player. Now, my biggest thing with that – and I was talking to people uh, this week who, who were so adamantly saying that Kentucky would be – it would be a game. My biggest thing is you look at Kentucky right now. How many of those guys are going to actually play in the NBA? Now, you can maybe I'm, – I'm two, three – and you look at you know, how many of those guys are going to play overseas are going to play in the D-League. Now, you look at the Sixers and you're like, oh, it's, a, it's like a D-League roster. Well, it's not. It's comprised of more. So you're talking about guys, two or three guys that might be NBA players. You know, could be, I don't see it. I, I, and it's so early. You never know. One of them could be a star. But you're talking about a freshman, and you, like you said, an 18-year-old kid, and you, he's not developed yet. And I just think it's ridiculous. But uh, I thought it was quite comical and um, I'm Sixers through and through, so that's uh, to me just absolutely absurd. Well, if you're if you're Sixers through and through, Kevin, I uh, feel God bless for you. you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope uh, you know I'm not a cheerleader. All I do is report on the team. I could care less whether they win or lose. I just report, <laughs> uh, try to give the fans what they want to uh, see, uh, you know, uh-huh. read and and see about the team. So, uh, Kevin, God bless you, Mike. I know you're you're more of a uh, you're more of a down to earth dude and, and don't really give a crap about anything so real quick real quick uh, real quick who wins more games this year the eagles or the sixers that did did you read my twitter i I put that out on twitter a long time ago um (laughs) i I, yeah boy that's i mean i mean i I think i I think the eagles are going to win 
at least 11 games. I got to believe. playoffs, but I included playoffs. I put it on my Twitter oh, handle like okay, earlier. So, include okay. playoffs. The Eagles get you probably 12, 13 wins. Yeah, right. I, Sixers, Sixers, aren't yeah. Get, Sixers aren't getting 13 wins. Yeah, you know, in the season, I had to do my preview before the season started, and I, I put 13 for the Sixers. Yeah. I'm hedging on that. I wonder if they get double figures. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna win. They're gonna win games just by accident. But I don't just know because of the grind of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know if they're gonna games. win thirteen games. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, well, here's but, another great thing, guys. And I know you're hurt, but I'll leave yep. you on this. Uh, 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 talking to coaches, GMs, and players throughout the league, they don't want to be the first ones to lose to this team. They know uh, this may be the worst team in sports history. So you might mm-hmm. come in tired and stuff like that, as many NBA yeah. teams do, and, and whatever. You get a little lamb to a little bit more to say. There's no way I'm losing to the 0 13, 14, 15, 16 Sixers. There's no way. So that's something <laughs> to look out for too. Bob, you're the you're you're the best. We thank you so much for joining us tonight, talking a little Sixers basketball. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking to you soon. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you in a little bit. My only request is next time I'm on, can I please come to Mike's basement? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just have to watch out All for right. the dogs. That's it. Watch out for the barking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right, Bob. Guys, thanks, thanks for having Bob. me. I appreciate right, it. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. All right, boys. So uh, Bob Cooney joining us now. We're we're going right from uh, right from one to another. We got Derek Bodner, Derek, uh, NBA NBA analyst extraordinaire. Also uh, writes for Liberty Ballers. Just a terrific writer and uh, really knows his stuff. Derek, we've been talking a lot about the Sixers today. Pretty much the whole entire show, uh, Sixers oriented. Where do you with you? I mean, you same thing. And I think you you know we talked to Bob. Bob reports it, you know, he's he's from the area, but he's not a diehard fan. I think the 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 thing about you, the guys at Liberty Ballers is they they kind of live and die with the Sixers as well. So what what are your thoughts on exactly what's going on right now? Well, I mean, I'm I'm there at practice, I'm there at every game, I have full season credentials. So I'm I'm I kind of report it too, but I am I'm absolutely a fan. You know, I grew up I grew up in the Philadelphia area, I grew up a Sixers fan. Um, you know, I write about basketball because I love basketball. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. ultimately why I do it. So, yes, I'm absolutely a diehard Sixers fan. Um, I, I I approve what they're doing uh, conceptually. I approve you know the tank. I approve going through the draft. I think building through the draft is is really necessary. You have to get that one player to really make you relevant before you can really become a player in free agency. And I think there's a whole lot of reasons uh, through the CBA why that's so. And I think you know the NBA has really created this problem with restricted free agency with maximum uh, contracts, um, things of that sort, uh, with the soft salary cap. Uh, so I think I do. I absolutely believe that you need to get a superstar level player through the draft before you can really go out and try to use that cap space that Hinky has, has has built up to lure another superstar free agent. So I, I agree with what they're doing. Uh, whether or not I think maybe they've taken it a little far to the other extreme. You know, I think I don't want to say that you can't develop in this environment. I don't want to say that the culture is going to, um, you know, hinder what you're going to become. I, I think culture impacts losing more than losing impacts culture. But what I do think is that it's tough to really evaluate Michael Carter-Williams' progress when he's playing, you know, when he's starting out there with Luke Bob Mute, Nerlens Noel, uh, Henry Sims, and, and Tony Roten. Um, you know, you're going to look at Michael Carter-Williams, uh, and he's, you know, a guy who didn't shoot well last year. Uh, I think if you want a true shooting percentage, uh, it was somewhere in, in the 48% range. He shot, I forget if it was high 30s or low 40s as a field goal percentage. If he comes in this year, and because he doesn't have space to operate, because he's trying to do too much, if his turnovers go up and his, you know, his shooting percentage goes down, um, and now you've got three years in a row, because he wasn't all that efficient at Syracuse either, and you've got three years in a row for that, you know, you start questioning, even though you have excuses, you know, who he's playing with, all that stuff, you start questioning what his ultimate upside is. Uh, and I think, you know, the Sixers right now, they want to look at guys like Jakar Sampson. They want to sign guys like Robert Covington to a four-year contract that's extremely beneficial. You know, if Robert Covington proves that he's an eighth, ninth, tenth man in the league, that, that contract's going to be extremely valuable to the Sixers. Same thing with guys like Hollis Thompson, uh, Jeremy Grant, who they also signed to a four-year deal. Uh, and I think they're trying to evaluate guys like that, find a diamond in a rough, find a guy who's going to be cheap and under control for a long time. But I think the most important thing this year, besides getting a you know a top four pick, but the most important thing of the guys on the roster is developing Michael Carter Williams and Nerlens Noel, and also evaluating Michael Carter Williams and Nerlens Noel. Because I think if I look at those two guys, um, I don't see a number one, number two guy. I see I see number three, number four. I think 
If you look at the assets the Sixers have, I think Joel Embiid is more valuable than them. And I think the 2015 draft pick is more valuable than them long term. So I think you want to really evaluate whether Michael Carter-Williams, whether Nerlens Noel can fit with, you know, Joel Embiid and Jaleel Okafor or whoever you end up drafting. Yep. And I think that's going to be hard to do with, with the roster that they have. And that, that's kind of where I, I disagree somewhat with the way that they've gone. But ultimately, I think whether San Hingi is successful or not, it's going to be dependent on whether he hits on Joel uh, Embiid, whether he hits yep. on this draft pick. But I do think that, you know, this is a team right now that a management that prides themselves on playing the margin. Uh, you know, they, they, they chart every shot that they shoot at practice. They categorize it in different shot types. Each player, Brett Brown can tell you the shooting percentage of pull-up jump shots that Michael Carter-Williams has taken since training camp. Uh, and they do that not because it's going to revolutionize. I can tell you the percentage is zero. <laughs> <laughs> but they do that not because it's going to revolutionize, um, you know, what they do, but it might give them a slight edge in their ability to evaluate these guys or see what they're good at or whatnot. So for a team that plays on the margins, I, I think they might be overlooking this uh, somewhat. Derek, you're, you're around the team a lot. I mean, it's well documented. Michael Carter Williams doesn't shoot the ball that well. I mean, is he does he work on his jump shot all the time? I mean, what what to me like a guy like Rondo is the same way. Back in 2008, Kobe guarded him in the finals at the foul line. To me, it's embarrassing. And is he working on his jump shot in practice all the time, or what's what's going on that way? No, I mean he certainly. Uh, we only get access to the last like 15 minutes or so of yep, practice. Yep. Um, and but every day they're shooting jump shots. Uh, he's he's shooting off the dribble. He's shooting off the catch. Shooting from the corner. He's shooting going over a screen. Uh, they're they're certainly putting in the work. I don't question that. I think he did put in the work this offseason. You know, he came into training camp uh, 15 pounds heavier, so he worked on his body. And and from what I understand, he was able to shoot uh, jump shots for quite a bit of that time, even though he was rehabbing a, sol- a shoulder injury. Uh, no, I I don't think work is necessarily the problem. You know, there are just some guys who don't have. Um, well, I I think. Certainly, he's working on consistency, and he has to improve that. And I think last year, particularly in his footwork, and, and as you guys know, played the game, footwork is a very big part, particularly when you're shooting off the dribble. Uh, and I thought his footwork was, was very inconsistent that last year. They worked a lot on his guide hand, which is getting a little too much ball. So they're, they're reworking the shot a little bit, and I think because of that, it's going to take some time for that to really become you know, automatic. Um, but I, I, don't think, I don't think working on it is a problem. He, he just might be one of those guys who just doesn't have the yep. touch, doesn't have yeah. uh, the feel for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and that happens too. Now, now looking ahead, Derek, this obviously ways ahead. Um, but let, let's say the Sixers. I mean, obviously they're going to be a lottery, a lottery team. But let's say they draw the number one pick. I mean, do you do you draft? Now you haven't beaten Noel. Do you draft Okafor? I mean, my feeling is you draft the best player, best player, which is probably going to be Okafor, even though he, he, you know, he, he's a post player. Do you draft him and then have some trading pieces? I mean, obviously you don't need three, you don't need three guys like Okafor, Noel, and Embiid. Um, but where do you kind of go if the Sixers get the number one pick? Are you in favor of drafting a guy like Okafor? Yeah, I mean, to me, they're right now, if, if you get the number one pick, there are three guys in contention, uh, Okafor, Towns, and Mudiay. Uh, I have not seen Mudiay yet this year. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to get any tape on him yet. Uh, I do hope to get some of that soon. Um, but, you know, I, I, I right now I'm very intrigued by both Okafor and Towns. And, and obviously they're both post players. That's not necessarily the, the, you know, the, the ideal pairing. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're looking at, you know, like I said, Nerlens Noel I think is, is, is very intriguing. He's a guy you can build a defense around. But yep. I'm not sure he's a superstar-level player to build a team around. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not. Right. Uh, so I'm looking at a guy to really pair with Joel Embiid, maybe become either that second superstar or give them a little assurance in case, you know, Joel Embiid's injury history catches up to him. Uh, I think part of what Sam Hinkie's doing, and, and he's looking at having five, potentially six, uh, lottery picks, depending on what happens with Miami, I don't expect them to go down that far. But uh, five lottery picks, uh, five top 11 picks in a three-year span. And I think part of that is risk diversification. Uh, it's not necessarily hitting on all of these guys, but just increasing the chances that you'll hit on one of these guys and they'll become a superstar. So I think if he has, has a guy at the end of the year like Okafor, who he views as far and away the best prospect, the guy who can become a superstar, um, unless it's a completely horrible fit, and I think there's some interesting pieces with Embiid and Okafor, I think he's going to take him. Um, you know, I think one of the things that would intrigue me very much about Okafor and Embiid, even though they're both close players, um, they both look like they have at least the ability to develop a 15-foot jump shot, and I think that would be key. Mm-hmm. You know, if you dump the ball into Okafor, you need Embiid to be able to stretch the floor enough so that he's not getting double-teamed constantly. Um, but they're both, both also very good passers, and I think that's, that's to me, the intriguing part of it. Um, I think one of the biggest wasted skills is the post-presence 
who doesn't have the passing skills to really take advantage of his ability to draw a double team. And I think both of these guys have very good passing instincts, uh, very good you know, recognition. Um, Okafor is, is very good at, at recognizing the double team, where it's coming from, and, and swinging the ball because of that. Uh, so I think if you have two guys who can play in the post and pass, you know, there aren't many, very many NBA teams right now who have two elite-level post defenders. So you're going to have a mismatch almost every time down the court. And if you have the, the passing and the floor spacing, to be able to, to take advantage of that mismatch. And I think you can really build something around that. Now, uh, Derek, you know, my biggest concern, and, you know, the, the Spurs were able to do it uh, they, with, with two big guys when they had, you know, young, uh, young Tim Duncan and David Robinson. They were able to win the championship. But the, the big thing that they had that people, you know, overlook, you, ha- you have a guy like Sean Elliott, who can hit that three, that good wing player. Now, the Sixers, you go through the draft again, and you get Okafer, say, and now you have these two, and you have Michael Carter-Williams. Now, where's that wing player that's going to be that, that you know, knockdown shooter who's going to be that scorer? Because the, statistically, those, the teams with the best, you know, with the, those type of wing players who can really step up and score are the teams that have won NBA championships. I mean, uh, be, we look at the, the, I think the last team with, you know, that, that big presence was the Spurs, but they also had Elliott who really was, uh, he was an all-star and a very good player as well. I just don't see the Sixers having that guy and how long are they going to have to wait until someone like that comes for this team to be really successful? Oh, well, I think, I think there's no question that they don't really have that guy right now. Um, and you know, the first year that let's say, let's say Joel Embiid doesn't play this year. And next year is really the rookie year for both Embiid and Okafor, if, if it turns out to be that way. Um, I, there's going to be some growing pain. Um, you know, I think they have another a first-round pick, uh, maybe some guy like a, a Levert from Michigan. He's at on a mid-first-round pick. Maybe get somebody in the draft. I think K.J. McDaniels, he's a guy who I think they can they hope can grow into that. And he shot the ball fairly well right now from you know from a catch-and-shoot uh, so far this season. And he's really an uh, essentially elite-level defender. So I'm hoping they – I think they're hoping that he grows into that. But certainly, I mean, that's part of the reason why. You know, we talk about Mike Carter-Williams' development and whether or not this is good for him. I, I really question whether he's a good fit with Joel Embiid, partly because of that, partly because he's not all that confident playing off of the pick and roll, either as a passer or as a scorer. So I think there's, there's very much, you know, a, a chance that Mike Carter-Williams, when you start looking at these third and fourth options, they're really dependent on how well they fit with your superstars. And that's why I think Michael Carter-Williams' future might be somewhat in doubt, because I don't think he really fits all that well with Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, when you're looking at, at this year, the development of his jump shot really, to me, is the key of the entire year. Uh, forget, forget his overall scoring average, forget his assist total. I think we all know he's, he doesn't have all that much talent around in the past. Too. Can he improve that jump shot? Can he improve off the catch? Can he improve shooting off the pick and roll? Can he make himself more of a threat scoring off the pick and roll? Uh, to me, that that's really the key for the entire year because it'll, it'll really determine how much you think he is a part of your future. But certainly, they're going to have to you know completely rebuild this wing, with the exception of maybe KJ McDaniel's, to find guys who will be able to fit with Embiid and with potentially Oak Four Towns or whoever they end up with. Derek, you kind of you kind of alluded to it a little bit, and the reports are swirling. Um, you know, since last year, is this team really happy with? Is this team? Is Michael Carter Williams um, is he going to be the guy to lead this team? Are the Sixers are the Sixers still trying to shop him, or, or are they happy with him, or is it um, is he going to be the guy who's kind of the point guard uh, leading this team to the future? Well, you know, I, I think they're happy with him. I mean, they drafted him eleventh one rookie of the year. He's shown a lot. He certainly has more value now than when they drafted him, and I, I think that's something that's you know very key. Um, now, you know, whether or not they shopped him, I did hear before the draft that that he was not necessarily available that they were talking. Uh, I understand that they, you know, there was a guy in the draft that they were targeting. Um, you know, I, I think for the right price, he would have moved at draft time. Uh, I think if they could have gotten what they wanted. He would have, he would have moved. And I don't think that's necessarily them being unhappy with him, but you know, if you have a team out there that values Michael Carter Williams significantly more than you do, and they're willing to offer you, let's say the fourth pick in the draft, and you're able to go target a guy that you think is more likely to become a, a superstar, a building block than Michael Carter Williams, then I think Sam Hinkie's going to listen. Now, do I think he's, they're unhappy with him or don't see him as part of the future? I'm not sure I'd say that. I think it's a lot of, um, you know, opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, like I said, I think there's a definite question whether or not he will fit with Embiid. Um, and, you know, when they drafted him with Clark Williams, they obviously didn't know what kind of team they were voting because they didn't know who was going to be available in the, the 2014 draft. 
But I think there's certainly a question, and I think you could see his name pop up again. Um, you know, now the question really becomes whether if he struggles this year, whether he's going to have more uh, trade value at draft time than, than he would have last year. Um, but no, I, I think I think you know I don't think they're looking to move Michael Carter Williams. I don't think they're desperate to move him. I don't think they're necessarily shopping him for whatever they can get. But if they get the right deal, then I think they'll listen. Now, but, now, Derek, we you know we talked about Cooney about this a little bit. Uh, just kind of the the overall you know mood of the Sixers right now. And I know you know Mike and I know it's it's very tough when you're playing in a team and you're constantly losing and constantly losing. And I think that's something that when we, we really go through and look at the Sixers team, how much do you I, – I mean, I know – I can see it in their body language, and I can see – because I've played some seasons where we've been really bad and lost, and it, it affects you no matter what you say. For the future, it could affect you. I, I'm just afraid that these guys are going to get comfortable losing, and it's not going to be – you know, Bob Cooney talked about it. You come to practice, how many of these guys are kind of, you know, some of the practices they're going to phone it in, and that, to me, is going to be the biggest staggering thing in development. And we can talk like analytics and who's going to be, you know, the future in draft picks, but if the players here aren't going to be able to develop because, you know, you're, you're so bad, is this, all, is this whole entire thing worth it? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I think so many of these guys being young, uh, and mm-hmm. I know, you know, veteran presence, I think, is, is, is a little underrated, particularly among Sixers fans right now. Um, you know, I think a lot of times you hear a coach every day, hours a day, harping on the same thing. It's human nature. You can turn him out um, or tune mm-hmm. him out. Uh, you know, an authority figure, it can become overbearing at times. And I think having a peer who's maybe preaching the same message but doing it in a different way. Uh-huh. Uh, while mixing in his experiences and all that, I think that has quite a bit of value. And I, I think, you know, having a few more guys um, that have had that experience and been through the war, mm-hmm. I do think there's some value to that. But by the same t- token, I mean, I don't think this team is ever not going to play hard just because you have guys like Robert Covington. So if he has a bad week, he could be out of the NBA and maybe never see it again. Uh, mm-hmm. You have guys like Jakar Sampson, who's now down in the B League, but he's at the same boat. Um, Drew Gordon, I mean, these are guys who are fighting for their lives. Nerlens Noel, mm-hmm. he's fighting to prove himself. Even Michael Carter-Williams, one rookie of the year, fighting to prove that that wasn't a, um, you know, that wasn't a fluke. So I, th- I think they're going to work. I haven't seen any problems in practice uh, with, you know, them not putting in the effort. I haven't heard any reports of them not putting in the effort. Now, body language, are you going to see that in games? Yeah, I, 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 these mm-hmm. are human beings. Um, I do think you're going to see frustration at times. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily always bad. Um, but I think it's it's human nature for someone like Michael Carter-Williams to be frustrated. Uh, I think it's it's human nature for someone like Nero Noel to be frustrated. But I think they're young enough, and I think Brett Brown is a good enough motivator that you can almost take that frustration and, and, and concentrate it and, and kind of get even more effort from them. I, I think it's going to be tough. I think Brett Brown has said a number of times that keeping this team together is his biggest challenge this year. I think there's some validity to that. Uh, and certainly, you know, whether it's, just Michael Carter is trying to do too much because there's no, no talent around him or whether it's phoning it in because they've lost 20 in a row. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's real risk in both of those, but I don't think it's necessarily, I think we tend to talk too much. Like there are certainties either way. I don't think it's a certainty that these guys will get frustrated to the point of not putting an effort or, you know, develop bad habits. Um, just like I don't think it's a certainty that being that drafting towards the top of the draft two years in a row is going to give you a superstar. And I think both, mm-hmm. both sides of the argument, whichever side you're on, I think they try to speak in, in certainty too much. I do think Brett Brown has his hands full, though, trying to you know keep their spirits positive. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I totally agree. I think, you know, Brett Brown has the toughest job. And, you know, t- that was the one thing I took away from tonight. You know, you, you kind of get this inside inside stuff, and you find out that Brett Brown's, you know, telling Tony Parker, attack this team, don't take it easy on them. And I love that, you know, as a that's that's what's going to get these guys motivated. That's, you know, making sure that this team's constantly getting the best and playing against the best so so they can develop. Derek, we, you, we really appreciate you coming out and uh, taking some time out to talk to us tonight. We love your insight, and uh, – we we really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on soon. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Derek Bodner, uh, beat writer for 97.3 ESPN Radio, also liber- writes for Liberty Ballers Draft Express. Uh, you know, interesting interesting take with, with both Bob and, and uh, Derek kind of, you know, you you talk and it's it's almost like the, and this is, I feel like we had two different mindsets. It's mm-hmm. kind of the, 
the uh, you know the younger generation. I think they see the tanking as a positive, and uh, I think you know because I think what's happening now. You have a lot of analytics things like that that are going in, and it's it's becoming this analytical game. And I think the younger crowd subscribes to that. You got like the Bill Simmons of the world telling everyone analytics are so important, but then you have the old school. And I'm not calling Bob old, but you know, um, you have that you have the old school mentality, which is kind of what we have. Of uh, you know, you, you have to look at what's going on, and you have to. You can't, it's these guys are more than just stats; they're more than just names on a sheet. And we talked about you know, Covington. These guys are playing for their careers, yes. But Noel and Michael Carter Williams are the guys that are going to be there. Covington, who gives a shit because he's going to be gone in a few years. So like, that's what's, that's what my biggest fear is. You know, a guy like Covington, he's going to play hard every single game, but he's not going to be part of the Sixers. That's going to be successful. Uh, that's, that's my biggest fear right now with, with, uh, how this whole thing's going now, Mike, the Colts. Go ahead. Go ahead. Am I on? Hello? Hello. Is this thing on? The Colts won 23 to three today. Um, Elwood's actually said something funny. He said, Hurry up! Hurry up! Or you're not going to have talk. You have you're running out of time to talk about the Colts game. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! It's... You know it's funny. We we didn't hear from Elwood when uh when the Colts uh lost to the Eagles. No, that was it was radio silence. <laughs> radio silence. Now uh, we took a lot of time this week really talk about the Sixers. I I think it's a it's a very important. I think it's a very important uh, topic, kind of see what's what exactly is happening uh, with with this team and, and this franchise and where it's going because that's the biggest concern we all have. Uh, the it's going nowhere, it's fast. going nowhere and fast. Now, you know, kind of addressing the Kentucky, Kentucky. Uh, we talked a little bit with Bob about it. The Kentucky uh, Sixers thing. I was honestly talking to a few people who were adamantly saying that this... That yeah, the, the, see, I, I never want to believe that, it, that a college team could be a pro team. Now, here's my thing, and I've talked about this before. This is why it's like proves the fact, and I was talking to my brother about this this morning. When I was in the D-League, we, we were in training camp for five days. Now, this is a group of guys who just got cut from the NBA. You're, you know, some of these guys last cut to the NBA. Some of, you know, you're all in NBA training camps, and you're kind of like pissed that you didn't make the NBA so then you come to the D-League and you're like a little pissed and you're like oh, shit like another training camp and you're going through you can't you it's tough to gel because in the D-League everyone's trying to score so yeah everyone's trying to everyone's trying to get to the next level exactly so they're, trying to show they can score. so they're just trying to show that they can score so it's a very tough dynamic to go and play a team that's that's a good college team like that now we went and played Maryland who was 15th in the nation at that time and Killed them. Now this is why because wait the, your MBDL team the D League team oh, the killed D-L- Maryland. Okay, okay, I thought and you meant Mama. You realize you're like I almost fell off my chair. I thought you meant Mama. I'm yeah. sorry. No, you you look at this and you realize like you know you're a professional and this is my rookie year. So I was I graduated Mama's, but then you the Bob said it was so true. You're you're playing against 18 year olds when you're a 23 yep. year old. You're stronger. You're bigger. Dude, you're more just, athletic. Just, just, 16 to 18 is huge. Yeah. It's huge. At, at that, that young, in, in your life when you're that young, that year that year or two is just huge. It's huge. And like we said, I mean, some of these guys can, from Kentucky, one or two of them might be NBA stars. You might have an Anthony Davis, but he's not Anthony Davis yet. You don't have those stars. You're going to play the Sixers. They're going to get blown out. And anyone who thinks otherwise is is on drugs. I think you're, it's, you're delusional if you think that the, the a, a college – team consisting of all freshmen can go and beat an NBA team. And I don't care who you have. These guys are the 300 the NBA 300 best players in the world. You have, I talked about, you can have got the, the Kentucky won't be able to beat like uh, Frankfurt, you know, like Barcelona, one of those overseas, like they wouldn't be able to beat them. You're talking about an NBA team. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. So, yes. Yeah. All right, let's thank the sponsors before we go uh, for, uh, you know, paying for this whole show. Fun time. Uh, show brought to you tonight by Foam Pack, supplier of all Graco products. You're just a phone call away, 
Integrated play in Renee's show. If you're an athlete looking to transition into a career outside the athletic field, contact Renee, 269-760-3857. Cross River Realty, specializing in off-campus housing in Temple University. Also a full-service real estate company located in Philadelphia. Check them out at CrossRiverRealty.com. Hit us up on Facebook, The Matchup Zone, Twitter, at The Match underscore Up Zone. Uh, Mike and Kevin coming to you every Sunday night. We'll be back next Sunday talking a little bit sports, talking a little uh, everything. Until then, guys, enjoy the week. Enjoy the Eagles game and have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you guys next week.